this is a recording. Hello, recording. We're trying it and we're gonna stay close to our microphones the entire night because we want to listen. And we're not gonna breathe heavily. Only when it's appropriate. Hi, you're listening to Talking Tangents. My name is Britt. I go by she and her, but I'm hashtag okay with they. <laughs> Hello. Hi. This is Megan going by Megs. My pronouns are she and her. What's up? What's up, my dude? What we're feeling right now is important, so let's talk about it. Let's do a mental health check-in. Megs, how are you feeling today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm considering. So uh, not to get too personal and gross for all you gentlemen folk, but um, I'm on my period. I'm sure everyone is familiar with PMS in general and the actual symptoms of said vaginal bleeding. But I have something that's funsies called a PMDD or a premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is a mental syndrome that's a little bit more intense and hard to kind of explain to people because you know in in my feminist core I'm like whatever anything you can do I can do bleeding it's NBD no big deal but um I have a actual disorder that I actually got diagnosed by my doctor about it and um so along with all the fun things of you know mood swings and cramps and bloating and whatnot. Um, when you have PMDD, you also get severe depression. You get trouble concentrating. My actual vision started to get blurry. So actual like physical, mental things start to kind of hit you. And anything that starts to affect your work-life balance is already pretty disruptive oh, to sure. begin with. So not only do you get all the fun physical cramps of, you know, your uterus essentially falling out, but your your mental health starts to deteriorate and everything else is just, it's really bad. It's, it's times 100. So I hear I thought I was being, you know, just a weak bitch, but really I talked to my doctor about it and was like, look, I don't know if it has anything to do with my, my cycle or whatever. But I literally want to die. And, like, no joke, just want to die. And it's, it's, it's severe enough to where, like, my roommate's like, you okay? You're hiding in your room. What's going on? Like, and it's really – it's so – I mean, I only got diagnosed about it about a year and a half ago. So it's a new thing for me. Because you first get really, like you, – you can't focus. Your eyeballs start to get fuzzy. And um, you get really clumsy. Yeah. And I will drop stuff constantly. And then you just kind of get overwhelmed. You're just like, why can I not fucking concentrate? Yeah. Or, like, you know, if you have an email and you're rereading the email nine times, you don't understand. So you're, like, already overwhelmed. You're like, yeah. what is going on? I can't focus. So you have first the mental stuff kicks in. Mm-hmm. And then you get the physical stuff. Then your blurry vision. Then I, you get intense nausea. Then you can't eat, and then you overeat. So then you're eating. It, so it's a whole everything that PMS encompasses times ten. Wow. And you don't realize it's a problem until other people start commenting on it. So like the physical feeling of wanting to die, but then also 
Like, I, there was moments where I would just lay down and just not move because wow. everything kind of hurt. But, um, That's yeah, scary. It's, it's, it's bonkers. I mean, you get hot flashes, muscle pain, you can't sleep, you feel out of control, you know, all sorts of things. And it affects about 5% of women um, and especially is common for people who already have anxiety or depression. Mm-hmm. So... It's common, but not as common. So, like, my main thing is, is, like, I learned late in life. Um, my one, I guess, one message for women would be, like, hey, you know what? Talk with your doctor. That is that is my thoughts for today. I, I am not suicidal, but I'm not great. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I am fortunately doing a lot better than last week. I think last week I was a negative Nancy a bit. I said I was at a 4 out of 10. I would double that. I think I'm at 8 out of 10. You're at an 8? I'm at an 8. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, there you go. My week was definitely less, just as stressful, but I like changed. Like, you can only handle so much stress when then you get to the point where you're like, you know what? I've done this before. I can get through it. I'm a strong person. And so I changed my mindset this week has become so much better. Um, Little fortunate things have happened. I had um, someone randomly drop off a hard booch at my work because they heard I was having a hard time. And I was like, cool, hard booch for hard times. I'll take it. Um, I bought a cake. For the holiday, made um, by a friend who's starting her own baking business. So support local businesses are yes. always, always cool. Another local business I supported is that in California, um, businesses are starting to reopen specifically gyms. Uh, and I think another reason why I was so sad last week is I just hadn't exercised in two weeks. And, um, I enjoy being active and so not having that for two weeks like I felt kind of sluggish after a while um and I just wasn't getting that serotonin I used to from exercising so like today was like my first day back I'm into rock climbing so getting to climb for two hours like that feels really good I probably negated all the work I did by eating this huge burrito bowl but you know what it's okay because that's why I climb yeah I'm doing really well so I I'm optimistic for the rest of the week and hopefully for the rest of the freaking year all right so now we're going to talk about stuff that's going on these days in the world in the, world. In the news on the tiktok on the on the webs on the on reddits on the on npr's the on the everywhere um something that is going on we're talking about how things were a year ago right Mm -hmm. a year ago we had um the murder of brianna taylor and then um george floyd's uh murders uh it sparked a movement the black lives matter movement which Which is is always important so incredibly important i cannot stress this enough i mean i know we're two episodes in but black lives matter yeah, they do. And it's incredibly important. And yep. I will, to my dying day, explain that, that. That Black Lives Matter. Today, as we record this episode, there was news this morning that there were three attacks that killed eight people in that Atlanta area. Um, this was a hate crime that was committed by a 
white terrace. And just so you guys know that this isn't a problem that just happened today, but since the COVID pandemic began, there have been at least 3,800 reports at least of hate incidents against Asian Americans. Which is absolutely horrific. I mean, I cannot say this enough. This is a hate crime mm-hmm. by a white terrorist. I'm so frustrated. I don't know about you, Britt, but I'm so frustrated with the news being kind of dancing around that word and that verbiage. Oh, because the news kind of fucked it up a bit, I think it's incredibly important to explain the fact that this is a a terrorist. This Mm -hmm. This is a hate crime, and I feel it's incredibly important. I don't care where these women and men worked. I don't care what they do. No one deserves to die that way, and it is an actual horrific event, and I am heartbroken by it. And so I think we need to remember, not only today, but we need to remember that this uh, attack on a certain culture, on a group of people, has happened before, and if we don't take steps of action, it will probably happen again. As terrible as these events are, sometimes from them we get beautiful pieces of art, literature, uh, things that help us cope and deal with our emotions, and also to use as like learning tools for anyone. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking of an album by one of my favorite artists, Kishibashi. His real name is Kuwato Ishibashi, and he uh, is of Japanese descent, and he actually wrote an album called Amoyari. And I apologize if I did not pronounce that correctly. It took a semester Japanese. I can't say it helped me. Um, But basically, this album specifically focused on the internment of Japanese Americans during World War II. And he used this as a way of getting at present-day issues surrounding white supremacy and the erosion of human rights in America. So basically, he finds parallels between, like, internment camps and the treatment of migrants, uh, Muslims, uh, all in pursuit of, like, a grander theme. Uh, a need for empathy, decency, and understanding as antidotes to bigotry and fear. He is a beautiful man. It is a beautiful album. I recommend it to everyone. You can listen to it on Spotify. Uh, But he finds a way to, like, talk um, about these grand themes through, like, small and personal antidotes. Um, And it's really beautiful. And also, he turned into a film as well. So it's not just an album, but it is also... A film. So if you like the album so much, I definitely recommend listening to it uh, through the film version. He actually visits the internment camps and does interviews, I believe, with people who lived during that time. Something that just happened recently was the Grammys. Uh, Meg's watched it. I did. I mean, (laughs) I didn't watch it, but it's okay. I watched part of it. Didn't watch all of it. I kind of came home and my roommate's better at this than I am. If there is some sort of award show or something new episode, she's a little bit more on it than I am. So I was already kind of in my like Netflix spiral of, you know, true crime nonsense. And then she's like, oh, isn't the Grammys playing? And I'm like, oh, that's right. But wait, music. So, I mean, I was already kind of skeptical to watch it because I don't know about you, but Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of these shows during COVID times have been kind of bland. I enjoyed a lot of the live music. Uh, the people that I was kind of rooting for didn't necessarily win anything. So. I know. I was rooting <sighs> hardcore. We both talked about, we both care about The weekend. 
Yeah. The weekend didn't win anything. Bummer. Super sad. I was even nominated for Wasn't anything. Even nominated. That's whack. I mean, I mean, he's been in so many. Uh, I mean, he was in the Super Bowl. He's been on late night television. But even before he's, the Super Bowl, the fact that the man has, I you you all are lying if you don't think that your children were all procreated by the weekend. If you were a millennial and you have children right now, they were procreated by the weekend. Straight up. Yeah, it's I in that can't playlist. Deny it. It's in, in the that playlist. playlist. There's plenty of sexual songs that are part of a millennials playlist. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you, at least four of those songs are weekend songs. He should have a Grammy for that. Yeah, at least you made sex music, ergo. And you're welcome. Just, yeah. He, so the next generation has been procreated by the weekend. Yeah, a singer-songwriter that I wish won, uh, just because I find her music and songwriting to be so, it's like so direct and poetic at the same time. Her name is Bebe Bridgers. Uh, She was nominated for Best New Artist, um, and though it's not necessarily a Grammy that's super exciting, like Best New Album or Best New Song. It's still important. It's still important. Grammys it acknowledges really cool. your existence. And the fact that Phoebe Bridges, I love her too. Mm-hmm. The fact that she has risen to the occasion and has actually produced music that has gotten notice is a big deal. There yeah. are plenty of artists that I listen to that haven't even gotten on the radio yet. Yeah. I'm biased so though at the same time. Yeah. Like I haven't listened to Megan the Stallion and that's just only due to my own personal music tastes. Um there's a definitely plenty of genres that I haven't dived into that I probably should. Uh, especially as considering myself like a music lover. I think it's my duty to listen to all songs. And uh, honestly, it's next on my to-do list to take the winners. Like, I did listen to the best song, which was by a band called Her, H-E-R. It's basically just an yeah. anthem yeah, for but... the struggles that uh, yeah. the black community faced within the last year. It's called I Can't Breathe. I actually loved the section where they talked about Billie Eilish and how they talked about her, the way that she figured out how she was going to start writing and kind of the way her music style is. Yeah. Is she was actually having she was dealing with insomnia and anxiety and all these kinds of like terrible sleeping stuff, and so she used it and channeled it. And this is her quote. She like she usually cha- she channeled it into her music. Yeah. So the fact that her music's kind of weird and odd and kind of trippy and that musical kind of where it almost feels to me it feels very dreamlike. When she said like, "Oh yeah, I was having fucking night terrors, and this is me coping with it and getting my feelings out," I was like, oh, "Now her music makes sense." Yeah. I was, gosh, I was so bummed about Post Malone. I really wanted yeah. him to win something. I, he is, I love him so much. I, I love his voice. I love the vibe. I love his little goofy goofness. But he's just, he's so great and so humble. And when he did, um, there's a, he did, he performed Hollywood is Bleeding. So good. Like, Where did he perform it? Um, uh, at the Grammys. Oh, at the Grammys. Okay. So I mean, you can you can definitely tell when an artist is kind of fidging a little bit when it comes to live performances. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's never as good as the recording because you have you know specific little tools and whatnot. But um, 
you could tell in his live performance in the Grammys where he was just that is his voice. Oh yeah, and he came like you said. He's humble. He came from humble he's beginnings. So he humble. On SoundCloud. He he also kind of talked himself down a little bit, where he's like, yeah, you know, these days a lot of artists, especially with autotune, can kind of create all these things, and I feel very grateful for what I can do. And then he shows up and belts out, and I'm like, did you really just talk down your own voice because mm-hmm. you have a killer voice? Yeah, and it, just because you are like a little potato with tattoos on your face does not make you a bad person. <laughs> Gosh, I love him so much. He's so good, so humble. Yeah, fun fact of something, Megan, is that before he became uh, famous as Post Malone, he actually auditioned to be in a metal band called Crown the Empire. He's really good friends, I think, with the lead singer now, Andy Leo. I think yeah, his name is. yeah. I mean. Everything that I've heard about him has just been nice and delightful. Yeah. And, you know, going back to people when they're writing in their lyrics, I don't know if he writes his own, but if you listen to that album, I think it got nominated for Album of the Year, but then Taylor Swift got it. But um, his most recent album, every song, fucking so good. Hollywood is bleeding, and friends and en- the friends and enemies song is just phenomenal. Yeah. He talks about stuff where it's like the the poignantness of it all being like being a celebrity and having everything kind of on you, mm-hmm. but at the same time acknowledging that it's toxic mm-hmm. is so important. I know a lot of people kind of dance around it in their fame, but they really. He actually was like, you know what? No, this is this is how it, and that's why I think he's kind of okay with not winning all these Grammys but getting nominated for it because he's he's like, well, of course I didn't win it. I, I literally made a song calling people out about it, and like, and I think the weekend kind of is in that same vein too, yeah. where he calls people out as well. Yeah. I remember that I think he called out the Grammys for not giving him a nomination, which. Honestly, like some people might see that as kind of cocky, like, oh, you think you deserve this? But at the same time, there's plenty of people who like share that sentiment. So I, I don't think it's bad for someone to call out for demanding basically that they believe that they're worth something or that they deserve something. So it's okay. Well, obviously, we're, we're fans of the weekend. We're fans of Post Malone. Um, I'm sure every single Grammy winner definitely deserved it or put hard work into it and i guess it's about celebrating music in entirety yeah, and like I what mean, songwriting is not everyone's cup it's it's everyone's cup of tea but like i mean the 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 lyrics alone for hollywood's bleeding i just pulled it up right now where it's mm-hmm. hollywood's bleeding's vampires feeding darkness turns to dust everyone's gone but nobody's leaving nobody left but us you're just like are you fucking kidding me yeah. like it's just it's having an awareness as a celebrity Mm -hmm. is so important because those are the people that end up being timeless. And Mm -hmm. if if you look at other celebrities that have been aware of their, their power. Yeah. Those are the ones that are like just infamous and remain in our history forever. Yeah. Last uh, week we were kind of talking about the queen being a figurehead and this might be a tangent, but uh, being aware of, how a celebrity is important, but also being aware that the singer also might be kind of like the representation of a lot of other people's work too. Um, I am learning 
recently from my own experience how important uh, co-writers are. For example, I wrote a song. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was like I could record this. I took it to my friend who's a producer. He took my song. He turned it into something five times better. It was amazing. They even had me change a couple of lyrics uh, and rewrote some of the chords. And the arrangement sounded beautiful that way. It still felt like my song. But I honestly, even in Spotify, I gave them song credits. They asked me why. Like, my name doesn't need to be there. I was like, sure, I understand. I can take it down if you want. But I put them there because I truly believe that they deserved credit for co-writing a song, essentially. So I kind of challenge you guys next time you hear a song that you really, really like, like, look into the song credits and see who else went into writing that song. Um, Some really popular Co-writers are Sia, for example. Sia wrote so many Pharrell, songs. Pharrell Williams. Pharrell Williams. A and Sasha Dr. Dre alone. Like, those two were known to be producers for the b- big bulk of their career. Mm-hmm. And when you're a producer, you're not only editing, but also, I'm sure, I'm sure some sort of lyrical kind of things as well. So yeah. if you look at artists that started their career, like Sia, like Pharrell, as a producer, mm-hmm. you start to see the depth behind their lyrics moving forward. As their own artists, they've earned where they're at. Oh, absolutely. Thing. And if anything, I have even more respect for them because I know that they probably put a lot of the work, a lot of the arrangements, efforts into like their own songs. They could probably claim more credit than mm-hmm. most artists could. Um so yeah, you were talking about uh, Taylor Swift too. That she, mm. you said that she wrote a lot of her songs. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Taylor Swift is pretty consistent to writing her own music. Mm-hmm. She collaborates a lot. I with know other artists say like Bonnie Vare with the most recent. Yeah, so album. she she will collab with stuff. So what's what I've noticed a lot with Taylor Swift, she kind of has jumped around to like her genres, mm-hmm. which bothers me a little bit. <laughs> Um, one lane Taylor. Yeah, she. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, she she won, uh, best album of the year this year, I believe, and she's one of the first women that's ever won it like multiple times. So she's 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 claimed a lot of woman victories mm-hmm. because of this win. Yay, good for women. Um, I'm bummed because there was plenty of other people in that category that also deserved it, but. This is my own personal take on Taylor Swift. Is I I actually really liked folklore. I listened to it. I sat my butt down and listened to folklore. Mm-hmm. I like folk music. And I was like, this is good. This mm-hmm. is good. She's always been a good writer. Mm-hmm. We'll always admit this. I'm not a country gal. Yeah. So I never liked the country shit. And then the pop stuff almost felt forced and sexual. <laughs> Like I always, yeah. I'm I'm down for some pop music, but I kind of got where she was coming from, where she was in that coming of age that every young adult she's celebrity like, Fuck, has. I love that new shit. I think where she says on that that's one of the first lyrics I think in the album. Too. It's a very sexual awakening that comes from like teens and young adults that are in the limelight. Either you see it in Disney Channel or Miley Cyrus. <laughs> yeah, where they have a, an awakening. And what Same happened, Gomez, yeah. Demi Lovato. Which, fucking get your shit, girls. I'm all for it. Yeah. These are all things that I'm supportive of. You're allowed of, to grow up. Especially because, like, be I, I know how ever. repressive some of those cultures can be. Mm-hmm. So I get it. 
Um, no shame on that, but it almost felt like any pop music felt like an excuse to be like, well, this is my time to be sexual. And, ooh, mm, uh, and I was just like, you know what, Taylor, bro, like, I, honestly, I, I, I get it. Girl's gone through a lot. I, I understand. I just, I didn't like the pop music. I thought it was forced. I thought it was a little too much. I felt like you can still be a sexual being and not have it be too much in your face. But it almost felt fake mm-hmm. with Taylor Swift. Whereas like the country kind of fit her in her young preteen pubescent Coming out of Nashville. Stuff. So yeah, image. it was yeah. very part of her thing. The, the pop stuff felt forced. She never was like tweeny enough to where it, it when you go peppy and then go into pop kind of like what miley cyrus did mm-hmm. it felt kind of like an easy transition where she went country twang into pop and i was like this, this is a weird transition almost feels aggressive but i don't want to undermine her sexual awakening and she is an aggressive person right so yeah. i just i didn't want to like like a girl power no matter what chicks before dicks I don't like Taylor Swift, but I'm supportive of her journey. So I was I was trying to be supportive of her journey because you could tell she was going through shit. You could yeah. tell she had been going through like some dating crap and some I don't need no man. Like we've all been there. We've I all don't been need the no chaotic man unless I need to write a new song. Yeah, we've all been the chaotic woman where you're just kind of like a fucking to do and whatever. It's, you could tell she was in a moment. What bothers me is, like, the fact that she probably... This is what I think would have... I would have liked Taylor Swift. If she introduced herself as a young woman, a young adult, a young teen, and did folk music instead of country, I would have been like, all right, I get it. There's a little twang to it, which, like, folk can have. Mm -hmm. But a little bit of, you know, poppy jazz to it. Like, whatever. She chose the easy route to do like this country to try to get a loyal fan group of pious whatever, you know, diehard country fans. That's great. Mm-hmm. If that's your starting point, awesome. Oh, but- all the preteen moms are so stoked on Taylor stuff because they're like, here is a female role model for my preteen that I can get stoked yeah. on and she can relate to. But she didn't stick to it and she literally middle fingered the whole country group, mm-hmm. really, when she jumped into pop. Honestly, by Taylor going to pop music, honestly, if I were in a position, I don't know what I would do but uh pop music is a great route to go to on if it you was want an fame. outlet it mm-hmm. was an outlet for her she didn't win any awards with her pop music mm-hmm. and she knows that and also that, who knows how much uh, the record label have to do with it that really too. just gave her quote unquote some maybe some street cred but other than that and maybe connected her with some like creative people to see mm-hmm. like oh i have a range but then when she did the folk album she got the, all the awards that she wanted, but then also she got kind of the lyrical street cred that she wants. So it's almost like, can you just stick with folk, please? The whole fucking time. So that is my problem with Taylor Swift winning that fucking album of the year mm-hmm. award is because it wasn't her. Mm-hmm. It was a collaborative album. If she, if they had collaborated and been like, you know who else gets the the Grammy, it would be the National, freaking What's-His-Face, um, and Bonnie Vare. Yeah, yeah, Jack Antonoff, Aaron Dresser, and Bonnie Vare should get the Grammy. Straight up. I'm saying it right now. Mm-hmm. 
award shows. They're all, you know what? There's money behind them. Her outfit was dumb. Taylor Swift's? Yeah, it was dumb. Oh, well, I know. Not uh, to be that bitch, but I was like, ew, why are you wearing that? She had a matching mask, and I was just like, Dua Lipa looked great. She looked amazing. Dua Everyone Lipa. saw Dua Lipa. She won how some, she looked like. Dua Lipa won some Grammys as she should have, yeah. and like she's probably the most modern person that I'm versed in. But like I saw her outfit, and I was like, she's so attractive. <gasps> she's so beautiful. So beautiful. Why? She, and she just like slinked up in her little outfit. And I'm like, I remember being so small and just slinking. I think I heard. Uh, Enjoy I your twenties while you can. Louis Vuitton did that. Oh my god. Like Good is job. she just Good job, she, Louis. she looked great. Her hands looked great. You have a weird I have a weird thing about watching people's like manicures when they talk. I because I, I have gross <laughs> man hands because I work in I an industrial yeah, field. I rock climb and I see yeah. nails. I'm like, what are those? So every I time I see someone beautiful hands, I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous. I work in a a field where I cannot have manicures and pretty hands, so yeah. I constantly have gross man. Hands. Oh, I told my partner as soon as I started rock climbing, I'm like, you know, you're saying goodbye to any hope of me having soft baby hands. But yeah. you're gonna get crusty finger, but you have so much much touch texture. Yeah. There's so much texture, like <laughs> you can hear me as I give people high fives. Um, <laughs> but the that, one that scrape that. <laughs> so I have one. Yeah, exactly. I have one kind of pro to that is. I now really enjoy shaking hands with firefighters. I come into contact with firefighters pretty often with my the job. Callous, the callous and, hand. And I stick my hand out for handshake. They go on for it. And I match that hand strength so well. I've seen the eyes get big. I pride myself on my handshake. I once took a high school class where you had to shake everyone's hand before you entered the room. It's very masculine dominated when you take a sales oh, yeah. class in college. I, I hope bet. I hope it's different now. But back when I took it, back on the tour, it was very male dominated and very focused into projecting yourselves to have some sort of physical strength. Uh, um, isn't that why blazers for women have like shoulder pads to make your you seem more broad, like a broader shoulder kind of yeah. aspect? Oh, a hundred percent. That also ties into my main joke, which is if you've ever watched Futurama, where they joke about Ally McBeal and they do single female lawyer, uh-huh. and they're like, "Oh, single female lawyer," <laughs> like all that kind of like sassy, like I'm I'm just a single female lawyer wearing my short skirt. Shoulder depends <laughs> but yeah that whole that whole joke but um i bought this jacket from goodwill the other day and of course it has shoulder pads in it and i haven't taken them out yet but it also especially with my short haircut these days and my big glasses i feel like the one girl from the ghostbusters movies and cartoons <laughs> where i'm like ghostbusters what do you want <laughs> so i <laughs> it's, a, it's a vibe and i'm here for it so heck yeah I'm awesome. all about it. Well, we've gone from Grammys to shoulder pads. I think it would be great for us to go into our commercial break. And we'll come back with our pleasure. And then more beverages and more stories for you. This episode was brought to you by... 
Baco Baked Goods. They did not pay for us to have a spot here. We're just a fan. We just ate some really dang good rye cake with a Jameson caramel meringue topping with more Jameson caramel on the inside. It was delicious. It brought us alive. It's so, it, it brings so much joy. Like, I don't know about you, but especially during quarantine, like a baked, bever- baked beverage, a baked delight it has brought me so much joy. And especially when it's homemade, there's a special little love. There's love sprinkled inside. So this week's episode was brought to you by Bago Big Goods. Support your local baked beverages and beer and food. (laughs) And people and friends. Yeah, if you actually want to um, support our podcast, uh, you can send us an email at it should be if I'm not mistaken talking in tangents pod at gmail.com please excuse my laughter send us an email if you're interested in having a sponsored spot we like the support and we like to talk about things we like and that means you yes talking in tangents pod at gmail.com please sponsor us we're, we're looking for some, some good old sponsors to have. That would be nice. But in the meantime, we're just, you know, plugging our favorite people. So, yeah, there's that too. That's it. That's commercial break. The end. And we're back. Thank you, sponsors. Thank you, sponsors. That was so nice. That was great. All right, so now this is the part of the episode where we talk about our beverages, our beverage break. Uh, Britt, what are you what are you drinking this this St. Patty's Day, St. Patrick's Day evening? Well, yep, I got myself three separate beverages, but I'm only talk about one. One of them's an empty water bottle, it's currently sitting on the floor. The other one is uh, <laughs> now warm beer that Megan poured me an hour ago. I know this girl's got a fucking nibble on her she's, beer. She's gonna she's gonna talk about the beer to, that she brought later. To be fair, we switched out your nipple beer and got a fresh beer for you, and it still's got Straight a nipple out of the tit. in it. <laughs> your your poor partner is now drinking some warm ass beer, and you got a fresh beer. He's still <laughs> drinking my own beer, and I'm still sipping on my new beer. But what I'm really focusing on, because of said burrito bowl I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I am drinking Woodford Reserve. Uh, because since it's St. Patrick's Day, I wanted to try to be somewhat Irish. And I have whiskey. It's not Irish whiskey. It's actually from Kentucky. It's bourbon. Oh, well. Uh, but it's called Woodford Reserve. It's heavy with rich dried fruit, hints of mint, and oranges covered with a dusting of cocoa. I did enter my birthday into a website to read these notes for you today. You're welcome. Uh, faint <laughs> vanilla and tobacco spice. It says it's rich and chewy, but I wouldn't recommend chewing it. It might burn your throat a little bit. Uh, it's a good whiskey. It's not um, the best I've had. I would give it 3.5 it's, out of 5 stars. Woodford Reserve is a solid whiskey. Like, I don't, I don't poo-poo it's not your ex- choice. It's not exceptional but i've had bad ones this is probably good for anyone who wants to drink whiskey just pick up wood for reserve or bullet bourbon but and that's for next episode yeah and this is a hard take i'm sure a lot of whiskey people will be like, <laughs> and all the mustaches ruffling um it's very rare that i find an expensive whiskey that i'm like wow that's worth the money because I actually, I you know what I accept it as a challenge because I know a really expensive whiskey that's like my favorite. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna bring it next time. 
But like, well, that's the thing is, like, I've actually been very lucky, and I've had a lot of expensive whiskey as in part of my job oh, choices, yeah, sure. as well as the people I've dated. I've tasted some expensive ass whiskeys. Damn. And a lot of it was like a flex and or like a oh here try this. You're a beverage. Per- I, I work in the beverage industry. I get to taste lovely things mm-hmm. for a living, so I'm a little bit jaded in the beverage field. So when I get to taste something that's quote-unquote expensive, I'm almost a little disappointed half the time. Because I'm like, really? This is worth that much? Yeah. Um, When it comes to a whiskey, I am a full proponent if you're going to drink it straight versus if you're going to use it as a mixer. Ooh! That is a big fucking deal. Because I am cheap when it comes to a mixer. But if I drink it straight, I'll go a little bougie. That is a great point. Also, did you know, you probably do, you're in beverages, but Mm -hmm. do you average listener... Um, or above average listener, actually the best listener ever. Um, did you know that if you just put like a little drop of water in there, it completely changes the way the whiskey is going to, how you're going to experience it in your mouth. Yeah. It opens up the kind of the flavor palette that you're going to get. Mm -hmm. And so you might have a preference. If there's a whiskey that you really like, try putting a drop of water into it and you might get a lot more of the floral notes that you were missing otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, super cool. Incredibly important. I mean, I'm never going to shame any kind of person where that's their preference, mm-hmm. but I am a 100% proponent of what are you using the whiskey for? If you're going to do a whiskey and ginger, we have a conversation. Yep. If you're going to drink it straight, well, maybe splurge a little bit. Yeah. These days I've been doing a lot of mixed drinks because it's easy to come home and literally have some ginger mm-hmm. ale or ginger beer and throw a booze in there. So I've been doing a lot of mixed drinks these days. It's very yeah. rarely that I do a straight alcohol beverage because if it's a weeknight, I can't I can't go hard, y'all. I can't oh, do straight sure. booze. But you could be careful. Like, for example, I'm the opposite. And then in my weekdays, I only pour myself a straight shot of a liquor, but I never take it as a shot. Um, and when I say liquor, I, I think I exclusively mean whiskey. Uh, it's because I am such a slow drinker that pouring myself two ounces, three ounces of whiskey will last me probably a good hour and a half. So it never hits oh, me super hard. Incredibly smart. AKY, yeah. my poor beer is sitting there for so long. I, I know. just drink so slow. And I, I, it's one of Unless the things. I'm nervous. <laughs> it's one of the things where, um, I have gotten into the habit now, too, where I drink my my liquor beverages slow, but my beer quick. Uh-huh. And that comes with me being a beer nerd after a while because warm beer is not the same as cold beer. So no. I'll have a beverage and I'll share it with someone and they're like, oh, this is good. And, but then they're like slowly getting to it. I'm like, you don't understand. You got to drink it quick. Drink it now. Yeah, um, she, Megan was kind of um, peer pressuring me to drink my beer more. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, she's trying to get me drunk for the podcast. But then she explained you her just logic. Can't drink a, you, can't drink a, you can't drink a warm <laughs> See, hazy. Yeah. You drink a warm hazy, you're going to not have a good time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my parting note on the whiskey is speaking of Japan – from earlier, my one party trick is I know how to ask you to drink whiskey with me in Japanese. Would you like to hear it? Yes, please. If you speak Japanese, uh, <laughs> hit me, DM us on our Instagram. Please, I want uh, to be friends and or date you. Pod. <laughs> yes, uh, if I am wrong, but it is. That's would you like to drink whiskey together? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I can also exchange the word whiskey for uh, kohi. 
uh, if I want to say, would you like to drink coffee together? That's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all, folks. Megan, what are you drinking? What am I drinking? Um, So I have beer this evening. I stopped by one of my favorite local joints uh, in Orange County slash California. I'm very spoiled. We have a in a like probably twenty mile radius. So many, breweries. so many breweries. So cool. All delicious. All local. All just delicious. like beautiful. Um, I could go on. There's at least ten that are my favorite spots. Maybe not ten. Maybe like five that are like my, <laughs> my favorite spots. There's ten in total. Half y'all suck. Just kidding. Yeah, ten in total. Like four or five. I'm like pretty regular at. But one of my favorites. I just stopped by today because it's right by my work, and it's Bottle Logic, and they have what I'm drinking today, which is a hazy peach IPA called Fuzzy Logic. Cute. Um, I'm new to the IPA situation because I've always been, when it comes to beer, kind of like a lager, crispy boy kind of jam. Mm-hmm. My roommate works in beer. And she kind of got me into the IPAs, kind of giving me knowledge and all like the hops and stuff. So I've been getting a little bit more knowledgeable when it comes to a lot of the IPA stuff. The hazy stuff makes me nervous because a lot of it is fruit forward and then it's a little bit too sweet for me and or it will taste too much like juice and then then for... You probably don't like Saison's, do you? I do like a Saison. Oh, would you consider those fruit for them? No, no. They're more like, they have a little bit more clarity. Got you. Okay. So a hazy almost is like a syrupy kind of viscosity, at least from my flavor palette. And almost like the fruit notes that come in from a hazy almost cover up the alcohol content. So you mm-hmm. feel like you're you're tasting juice, but you're mm-hmm. drinking... You know, an eight point something percent ABV. It's just, it's a, it's a bit dangerous. It's a bit different. Dangerous. Right. So, That's like, no, it comes with the whole name with the hazy. It's just a kind of an unfiltered kind yeah. of beverage. A Saison is familiar to with like a farmhouse ale. Yeah. Which I very much enjoy. So, there's different wheat and barley and hops involved with that, as well as like that would be also considered. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's usually like a rice lager kind of vibe as well. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, I love a Saison. They're a little bit salty, mm-hmm. and that's why I kind of like them. Mm-hmm. But there's still clarity involved. A hazy, it's you literally see it, and you look at it, and you're like, oh, that's kind of cloudy. That's I can't it, see it That's where the beer. name yeah, came from. Sure. But it's a lot of like fruit and, you know, hoppiness going in there. The last a, hazy I had was a pineapple, I think. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's, it's usually fruit forward. It's a New England style beer, and um, it's not necessarily my favorite. Um, beer purists, especially people who work in the beer industry, kind of poo poo on hazies because it's kind of not as clean in their flavor profile notes as well as just the process in general. Mm-hmm. The public loves it though, yeah. so the people love it. High ABV, really sweet, fruity, easy to drink. 4% is my minimum for me. That's a farmhouse style ale. And yeah. like the farmhouse style kind of goes in the same with the Saison. It's really tasty. And so well, it is worth it. It was it's like me- decaf coffee. And it was meant to be a flavor note mm-hmm. as well as obviously like back in the day with probably less than 4% ABV. But yeah. Before water was clean in the United States, like the United States was formed based on a beer and cider alone. 
-hmm. we live and exist because of beer. And that is because water was unclean. And so when you worked on the farms and whatever, you didn't just go get a cup of water when you're tired. You went to go get a freaking vat of ale and they would pour you your beer of your day. And that was it. So like the society was formed and based on that kind of stuff. So ABV content didn't become an issue until people were like, you know what's fun? Getting drunk. <laughs> so when, <laughs> yeah. they, when they realized it wasn't a sustenance thing, like, oh, this is a clean way to have a hydration, mm-hmm. um, that's when ABV started to really become a thing. And especially when it comes to craft beer, a lot of the times, I mean – God bless the people that work in the beer industry because I've, I've heard some horror stories where people come in and they're just basically asking, what's the highest APV? How can I get fucked up the most? <laughs> and they're still bartenders by trade. They're still there to protect you and make sure you're okay. Yeah. And they still have to watch you and count how many times you've had beers or whatever. And, um, you know, they they call, it, they call it like a blackout flight where you basically, like, you, <laughs> you, you see people where they go and get all barrel-age stuff on their flight of, like, six or nine or 12 drinks. And it's like, okay, night-night, like, please have a driver to yeah. protect you, drink water. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, the ABV content is something that has become kind of a, a, a cliche where it's, oh, this is what makes, no, that's not what makes it good. no. Ideally, you care about what you're drinking. The time there's tastes. a time and the place, and but what made you know craft beer trendy for a hot minute was, oh man, this doesn't taste like I'm getting drunk, but I am getting drunk. Megan has makes has brought more IPAs over to the house uh, for the recording, just to hang out in general, and this is my first honest reintroduction to drinking IP, IPAs again. And I'm actually pretty excited because I remember yeah. how tasty they can be and yeah. how dynamic they can be. So I'm excited. That's yeah. tasty. The, I'm not drinking the same one as her, but yeah, she she is drinking Recursion, which is mm-hmm. another bottle logic. That one is layer like they're just solid IPA. So good. I so buy good. it regularly. It's just a clean, really good. I think it's a double IPA. I could be wrong. I'm blanking, but I'll take it. Thank you. Yeah, no, super Cheers. delicious. Love it. Like, Bottle Logic just makes a really good, clean beer. Thanks. Cheers, guys. Oh, that reminds me. So, I want to do a little, a little cheersies. Oh yeah, for St. Patrick's, St. Patrick's Day. Day. That's right. No, we're gonna, we're gonna hold our glasses. Here we go. This isn't an actual Irish cheers, but this is a song that I grew up with as an Irish gal. I'm so excited. An Irish lass. So I hope I don't fuck it up. <clears throat> All right. I'm a rambler. I'm a gambler. I'm a long way from home. And if you don't like me, well, leave me alone. I'll eat when I'm hungry and I'll drink when I'm dry. And if moonshine don't kill me, I'll live till I die. Cheers. Yay. All right, guys. So this week we decided to kind of turn our attention towards something even more relatable than childhood memories, movies, television, and this is a timeless topic, 
It is the trials, the tribulations, the struggles, the great adventures, the everything in between of dating. Oh, yes. Not just dating, but like dating in coronavirus period, dating in coronavirus, past uh, long-term relationships, uh, all that fun stuff. Uh, so first we'll just start off with what's, what's our current dating history or what's our current status um i'll just keep mine pretty quick uh, i was in relationships basically my entire life from 13 onward um i had a long-term relationship of four years between 2012 to 2016 in 2017 i met a man and i will be marrying him in 2021 this year in November. So things are, uh, I'm on the steady course for now. <laughs> <laughs> things are looking up, guys. It does get better. Uh, and, but that's in my short uh, dating history. Uh, Megan, what, what, what are you looking like over there? Well, um, it's, uh, it's dusty and barren out in here. Um, so, I mean, I am... I'm a year years I'm bad with right now, so please don't try to make me figure oh, out that's years. Okay. Um, I just paid too much attention. So to let me just give you a little a little background here. So I am I am 32. The last time I was in a committed relationship, and I mean he called me girlfriend, I <laughs> called him boyfriend. <laughs> I was 25. I am 32. My age. Yeah. So in. In that time frame, how many years is that? Seven years. Seven years. So in seven years. Lucky number again. <laughs> I have been single. And I mean single in, in like single a... Single as a Pringle. Single in like a... N- nobody has claimed me as their own and vice versa. Have I been in relationships? Yes. I yeah. wouldn't call them relationships. I would call them situationships. Courting. They were long ass courting situations, like six months here, nine months here, two years here, with a sprinkling of fuck buddies and one night stands in the last seven years of my existence. So I have gone through the ringer, and especially in the seven years, like I know, I know dating changes daily weekly monthly yearly but definitely i have seen kind of a progression into online dating i've been there since day one that's right really understanding kind of the culture and things behind it as well as just my age group in general millennials are fucking bonkers when it comes to dating and feelings (laughs) feelings feelings are hard for people in my age group so i mean it's 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 a fucking lot so do i have stories yes do i have tales to tell absolutely i will do a disclaimer if you are a family member please stop listening it's my disclaimer is not to not as much to family members but to ex-boyfriends if you are listening the song i wrote is not about you stop asking me (laughs) Long story short, like, my dating history is 
Uh, long and complicated and but, frustrating. But it's what? only been seven years. Yeah, and also, like like you said, I'm super intrigued to hear about how dating has changed over time because whenever I was... So my long-term relationship, quote-unquote, uh, started my senior year of high school and it ended my junior year of college, which is kind of a mistake in itself. Your college years are definitely... Uh, are supposed to be kind of like exploratory period. Mm. Um, You change a lot, which was the ultimate demise of that relationship. Um, But, but whenever I came out of that relationship, uh, Tinder, I think was already a thing. So I had dating like in the palm of my hand. And also, you know, guys just swipe and I'm uh, too friendly of a person. I ended up on, Many dates I didn't want to end up on. Uh, one of them, I was 21 years old and ended up on a date with a freshly turned 18-year-old. Didn't know it until three hours into the date. So going, how was it pre-Tinder for you? I mean, I... You've met people probably at bars, at shows, through your job. I think through the job is a very common through, way of finding your future through partner. Through job was the, the the main one for mm-hmm. me. So my one of my first main boyfriends ever, I met through my first job ever. He was older than me. I was probably 17 when I met him. and mm-hmm. He was 25 or 26 when I met him. Mm-hmm. So a lot older. I mean, it sounds like children now saying a 24, 25-year-old, but he was definitely older than a 17-year-old. To be fair, you guys probably have the same yeah, mental Yeah, we, we, you know, worked in the age. same realm. He was a really sweet guy. Yeah. Um, it didn't work out because, gosh, we were young and dumb. Mm-hmm. But I was with him for three years. So my first main relationship was a long-term relationship. It was a three-year relationship. Yeah, long time. And we broke up in my, my 20s. And then I was single for a hot second. And then I started another job. I started working at the coffee shop where I met my next long-term boyfriend. And we were together for five years. Wow. So I went from three years to five years, three years to five years. So like I went my, my, my dating relationships from day one has been consistently long-term. So I went from three-year relationship to a five-year relationship and the five-year relationship, I lived with him and I lived with him, you know, until I was 25 years old and then he broke up with me. And then like a day after he broke up with me, I found out he was, messaging an an 18 year old when he was 30 Gross. and he you know stole my cat like it was just not not great not a good dude we do not like him but but i digress mm-hmm. i'm sure he's doing great living, living his, his best life in somewhere um but yeah no he he fucked my shit up and yeah. made me all sorts of insecure i was 25 and you know, this this guy kind of, you know, ruined my view on life, my own insecurities, all sorts of terrible things. Oh, yeah. I talked a lot with my therapist and kind of realized he did a lot of emotional abuse and kind of tricking me into thinking these things, mm-hmm. making me feel bad for... It was a lot. So, 
after I got out of that relationship when I was 25, I kind of went down like the hoe spiral. Is what oh, we all have our hoe spiral. I think. I hope. Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys, but and, we were hoes for a little bit. I mean, and it, especially because like my, you know, virginity was gone as well as, you know, I went Dude, from relationship yeah. to relationship. So this was the first time I was single, mm-hmm. like single, single. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when kind of it, things kind of started to spiral because, you know, you, you're free and whatever. But then also, I mean, I was 25, so I was still kind of late in the game. But uh, gosh, I learned pretty, pretty quickly. And I, it's something that I like kind of relearn later in yeah. my adulthood is... <laughs> Um, I have really bad beer goggles, <laughs> so I will make poor decisions after a few drinks, and I'll be like, "This, this, this person, this is worth it. This is the this one. This is it. This is the one. <laughs> he understands here. me." And then I'll wake up and be like, "Boo!" Like, and not. And that's the other thing too is I've never been one to just kind of like jump into the situation, whatever. But uh-huh. um. Even in the situations where I really thought I thought things through, I was like, probably shouldn't have had that last beverage. Have you, you ever? I mean, yeah, no, for real. I've also had those situations happen to me before, or sometimes like I would be so nervous about the idea of seeing someone that I would drink a lot before seeing them. So my only memories with them were in like party mode. And so mm-hmm. I associate them with this like fun, crazy, wild time reality is just very unhealthy and toxic and that's something that would definitely not last you also don't get a full perspective of their full personality yeah for sure because they're not maybe like that you, all the time ideally naturally you start to not naturally maybe you, you will start to kind of ignore certain red flags mm-hmm. because alcohol will dim it yep. and you're like oh oh i i missed that one ooh, like so I make a point to where if I ever go on a date and there's alcohol involved, I try to go for a second date completely sober. Dude, I... And I have learned very quickly the 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 repercussions of like, oh, there's no alcohol to like dull the senses. Even with one glass, I'm very, I'm very... Per- like a big proponent of your first date not being oh my really gosh. alcohol fueled. Yeah. Um, or even like, let's say you have had your, all your dates be alcohol based. It's time to have that coffee date. I remember actually with my current partner, um, I had met him at a bar and then I continued to have dates with him in drinking settings. And then the, I remember it was the first date. It was a road trip to San Diego to go to a climbing gym. No alcohol involved. This is 10 a.m., folks. A road trip. That's a big deal. Road trip. I was literally terrified because this was also during my hoe phase. And so, like, being a hoe, you like to inebriate yourself because you know you're making terrible decisions. Might as well have fun with it. It's a little... It's a band-aid. It definitely makes you feel better. It makes you feel fun whatever you can excuse yourself saying oh it's because i drink i mean i don't want to say that alcohol fueled a lot of poor decisions in my life but um uh looking back into choices i've made as a young adult and as an and as an adult uh it, it seems to be i have 
everyone likes to joke about their type. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, um, I don't have a physical type. I have dated tall, short, skinny, fat, all the ethnicities. Yep. The only common denominator, <laughs> and this is so bad, the only common denominator for a hot minute, at least for the longest amount of time, I've dated other, you know, professions but the most <laughs> common denominator has been serving me alcohol nice <laughs> some point in time so that pertains to bartenders beer tenders anyone who has served me an alcoholic Chris beverage handsome. and has been mildly mildly then <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is where alcohol so ties into the bar is fucking low um Usually, usually some sort of alcohol serving has set me into being a type. Mm-hmm. Um, the conversation tends to continue otherwise, and then I kind of decide then of like, oh, okay, like we have these common interests, and we like these books and these movies, and we'll just move forward. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, we the, can work. For, we can work on this. The common denominator <laughs> has been some sort of serving of alcohol, which is a whole other topic. It seems to be the only type. No, it's okay. At this, at this point, I no. have a similar problem where I all my type. Uh, is not restricted to a certain look. I can only date musicians. It's <laughs> it's it's true. Um, I think, but uh, it's kind of like I guess. Um. Okay. Never mind. It's not like alcohol in a sense. <laughs> I mean, I, d- I don't want to belittle your statement because I don't want to say it's a phase, but it's very common to find that to be a phase in. Yeah. Young women folk. For sure. I had a very brief moment of musicianness. Uh-huh. Um, and I have my own theories of which makes the best lover, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's in my brief, like, that literally, like, uses words like, in his hands. like, two years of my groupiness. I still really want to buy a shirt that says retired groupie on it. Just, oh, just, that's really good, actually. Just to wear it because oh my, my groupiness wasn't even groupiness. Like, I'm very loyal in my dating aspect. Mm-hmm. The women folk that are in serious relationship with band members were mm-hmm. threatened by me. And I was like, I don't want your man. I don't want him. Um, but you think I want your man and therefore it's hilarious. Well, yeah. So I, I want to wear that groupie shirt so oh bad. Oh, my gosh. Just to, to be... make them mad. Just yeah. to make them pissed off. And I'm like, dude... I didn't date your boyfriend, and if I did, yeah. I think what they're scared of is people like me. I was a <laughs> creep. Um, so <laughs> you're just like people ah, like me. Yeah, you should be afraid of me, ho. <laughs> it started off with um. It honestly goes far, far back to middle school when I started getting into music a lot. My neither of my parents were musicians. Um, but for some reason, music was something I was very drawn to. I thought it was beautiful. It was pleasing. Um, and also it was escape for me because, uh, my home situation was that great. So nothing was better than finding a moody album or like any sort of album where I could escape and just listen to it and take it all in. Um, 
And one band that my parents, my parents didn't listen to like a wide variety of music, but listened to the classics and therefore I ended up listening to the Beatles. And then in my uh, exploration of the Beatles, I got to, I got introduced to how popular they were with young females in America. And I saw these girls screaming and like, I was kind of young when I was reading about this and I was like, I didn't quite, I had crushes, but I didn't quite understand. And then as I got older and I looked at the pictures of the Beatles again, I was like, wow, yeah, Paul McCartney, John Lennon, Ringo, George, they're all beautiful men. And I remember like, just like fawning over Paul McCartney and being like, yeah, he could still look handsome as an old man. Like old men are cool too. Um, and so that's kind of where it started um, another thing too was that I saw musicians as someone who I wanted to be as someone who like I picked up a guitar when I was 13 I thought songwriters were really cool and so it wasn't just that I was attracted to them I was attracted to their lifestyle and yeah. I thought that maybe they could project me into success nothing like a man singing his feelings to you I mean <laughs> you know <laughs> Elvis to the day I die is mm-hmm. absolutely one of my favorite artists of all time. Yeah. One of these songs that I would love to dance to as like my like first dance when I get married is definitely yeah. an Elvis song. Like I fucking <gasps> love him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Beatles was interesting for me and I'm sure there's classes on it and also documentaries and culture yeah. stuff about it. But like the way that they created as a group kind of correlates to how boy band groups these days Mm -hmm. are all correlated to what makes them a sexual situation. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest part of that is they each had a member for their own type. Mm -hmm. You see this a lot for K-pop stuff. Mm -hmm. So K-pop is popular because they actually market their artists in their bands to appeal to a each a member is a specific demographic that they're trying to meet. Mm-hmm. You see this a lot with Asian cultures as well, where like there are certain type of things that people are more interested in oh than my others. Gosh. Yeah, there's a there there runs an anime called Udon High School Host Club, mm-hmm. and it's about a hosts of these boys who entertain girls, and they're all types. They and have the all... strong, silent type. The dramatic king type, the twins, the young cutesy kawaii. Oh yeah, boy. so it's it's very much they're more they're more relevant and more aware of the said. I don't want to say the word fetishes is a bad thing, but they're more aware of these types. It, it correlates to everyone having their own kind of niche and their own kind of type. Yeah. And um, what you're, like, physically attracted to as well as your, what you're emotionally attracted emotionally, to. And I feel like emotional attraction the, is something that's very, very big for me. And the music ties into your emotional attraction. Yes. But then you, like, lock eyes with the one person you're, like, physically attracted to. And then it's a like double fucking whammy. Yeah. And also, uh, this really hit me, too, when I saw the movie Across the Universe speaking the Beatles. That really drove in the fact that, like, I need a musician to love, I love me, that movie. fall in love with me, sing about me. And so it changed. It- I love that movie so much to a point where I've watched it in the theaters, like, four times. Yeah, it's so amazing. It's really good. But, like, as a kid, like, as a young adult, I mean, that really affected me, too, like, to love musicians because I saw how powerful music can be when it comes to love. And I remember I heard a song. 
about a man describing like the way she smelled and the way her skin felt. And I kid you not, I put on lotion every single day and sprayed myself with um rose like it was like a vanilla rose spray because I wanted a man to write a song about me in the way that I smell like roses and vanilla literally I wanted to smell a certain way so like some I wanted to be so I wanted to have specific characteristics where it'd be easy for them to write a song about me and it was so silly but this was my fascination and so it was drilled into me like I need to find a musician I need them to fall in love with me. I need them to write a song about me. Do you want to know my theory about musicians? Tell me. I'm curious. I mean, my sexual theory. What? Okay. I can Um, possibly confirm it. This is going up. I mean, you'll be able to know. But um, I can't confirm or deny my my groupie tendencies. But um, I have been disappointed from lead singers of bands are disappointing in the bedroom and it's because they're used to being having this positive affirmation in real life and therefore have never been like told otherwise in the bedroom that they're not that great they're used to the attention and the the affirmation of people so they don't have to work as hard so if you can correlate that to sexualness you don't have to work as hard in real life. You don't work as hard in the Guys, bedroom. I think ladies and men, I think equal parties should put in equal effort for sure. Even if you're in the long-term relationship, don't always rely on your partner to grow up your butt, to get things started. Like, make sure that you're putting an effort too. Yeah, like, mean, if you want something, ask for it or do it yourself. Ultimately, well, yeah. like, every woman is, every woman and every man is different too. Mm-hmm. So, like, the first time you do anything is always going to be a little awkward at first. But once you Unless kind of... you're in love. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but once you kind of feel things out, that's fine. Feel, feel people out. And, you know, figure things out. It's very... Feel people it's, up. Literally (laughs) 15 minutes was all I'm asking is to kind of feel out some jams of what's going on. But my my one interaction with uh, with a lead singer is really kind of what cemented the situation is it was very much like a one-time like hookup situation. Mm -hmm. Very, I'm, was, we were all on the same page. I have no bitterness towards what happened because I expected as much. But um, just uh, long story short, needed to want to get my rocks off. And I was like, who who would be down? And I just went through my phone. And this person popped up. And, he, you know, no part and parcel of it owned. Ended up being a, a lead singer of said band that I was aware of. Um, but I didn't think of it as a band thing. I thought of it as a who's, who's easy. <laughs> you can who's I, who, who would be down who'd be down and um this gentleman ended up being the case lovely we had a great evening just chit-chatting about stuff we had been friends before none big deal um invited him to my wait apartment. how did you ask i'm so curious i literally was just like hey what are you up to you want to get a drink oh and he's so you like, didn't you did outright ask like do you want to oh, hook yeah. up today no it was i mean the drink Hey, that kind of it's, it's kind of like a you up. What frustrated me, yeah, it made me like hate lead singers from the begin with. Yeah, is like it started out being like this coy, like, 
I'm just, you know, artist, and I'm just, you know, doing my day job so I can really create my art. And, oh, I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. And then I'm like bored. I'm like, all right, let's just get the fucking shit going. So we get back to my place, do our little thingity thing. And at this point, it's like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Yeah. And I want to be a polite lady host because it's my apartment. And I was just like, oh, well, you know. You can stay. You can stay and sleep for a little bit, or stay over if you want. No big deal. I don't have work till later. Like I'm just trying to be polite and be like, it's three in the morning. Yeah, I'm not gonna kick you out of my bed. Do you? You can sleep for a little bit and then leave, or you can stay the night and then I go to work at this time. So I'm trying to be like communicative and polite, and not be like, get out the fuck now. Like I got my got my rocks off yeah please leave and did not necessarily get my rocks off but you know what I mean like, yeah. I'm just trying to be polite of our time period together and um did I necessarily want him there the whole night no I would love to like sleep and not have to share whatever I had a freaking you know queen barely queens a full-size bed at this point in time yeah I'm just trying to be polite and he kind of looked at me, and he kind of did this, like, side eye roll, and he was just like, yeah, I don't stay over with people unless I'm actually dating them. Oh, wow. He said that to my face, like, post-coitus. That's I was fine. like, literally. That's a weird thing. You could easily just say, I'm okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, you could have Bye. said something so much more polite. Like, oh, I'm just going to go what? home. I'm just going to head out. You could have said it nicer, but the fact that he had to drive it home. And I be have like, an expectation, or I have a standard or I'm procedure. Unless you exclusively, I do not stay over as a policy. Which already, using the word policy was like, oh, so you hook up with random people oftenly. You know, oftenly sometimes. <laughs> um, you hooked up with people often. This is a common thing for you. And like, I know you're a singer or whatever, but... yeah. You're not Channing Tatum and or Heath Ledger having a hot baby. Yeah, minus a forehead. that's so weird. Okay, it was just a lot of ego thrown at me all at once. So, so my reaction was kind of I laughed and was like, <laughs> "Okay, bye." Yeah. So then I said goodbye, and then he left, and I was just like, "Ew." Oh God, my 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 postcoital like, bone is gone. I don't feel gone. good. I don't feel good about this it wasn't, anymore. It wasn't, you know, eye so, opening to begin with. Yeah, but then it was just like, I get it. Like obviously, being aware of the situation and knowing, hey, this is a hookup or whatever. I was aware of that. Yeah, I was the one that instigated it for sure. What bothered me was me taking a polite gesture and being like, hey. Feel free to hang out for Getting a second. Getting thrown at your face. And just being, it, literally, yeah, thrown at me like, no, you're, you are just here. You're just another person. And I was like, oh, that's gross. That's shitty. Especially yeah. as someone who tries to kind of proponent this, oh, I'm just this soft singer, sensitive lyricist, and I love everyone, and I have so many feelings, and I'm so sensitive, Nobody understands me, and I'm like, bullshit. Okay, jerk. <laughs> You're a fucking liar. Any so any like singer that's like singing about their feelings, I'm like. So yes, you I'm got skeptical. A, a great point. I just realized whenever I have bad uh, experiences with men or people in general, I tend to block them out. 
uh, or blackout for that matter, uh, I do have one singer experience. And it was from, I used to work at a radio station. And this was in my single phase. Uh, I, there was a cute DJ at my radio station and he liked the same kind of music as me. And so he asked me to come over and listen to records with him. But this was not unusual for it to be a very, um, like friendly thing to do between DJs. Our DJ group, from my point of view, wasn't super like filled with like sex and hookups, maybe behind the scenes, potentially. I wouldn't put it past people to like kiss in the DJ booth or whatever. At one person attempt, shut that down super quick. Um, there, but this guy, he has to go listen to records. I said, sure, why not? I go over to his house. We listen to some records. It's a great time. And keep in mind, I've only hung out with this guy maybe a handful of times. And then all of a sudden, he he tells me out of the blue, he's like, hey, I wrote a song about you. And I, this is it. This was the moment I was waiting for. That is a fucking juggernaut, by the way. <laughs> and I feel like some men use this and they know but other men don't realize these things is like women think differently and any kind of like this is about you or this is a special connection or they're special yeah and everyone's love language is different yep we've all talked about it where like there's like words of affirmation physical touch acts mm-hmm. of service yeah those are all correlated to something reacting to you. So if someone's like, I wrote a song about you, or I made this gift for you, for you. Mm-hmm. I wrote this poem for you, I did this thing for you, that phrase for you is what triggers a feeling. And everyone, every woman's like, I don't understand why I feel this way. And it's because... It is a human reaction. You're not abnormal. Yeah. Everyone has a love language. Yeah. And if something previously blah, blah, blah for you triggers you, you correlate to that to a love language, it all fucking makes sense. For sure. And And that's what makes that whole, I don't know why I feel these things. It's because your love language is... Blue. Yeah, and so I guess my trigger warning here is for coercion, but uh, essentially, so I've always wanted a guy to write a song about me, but going into this, like, friend hangout, listening to records, I had an unsteady feeling. I didn't know what it was. All, like, men and women mean, trust your intuition Would that mean people. one of your language, love languages is affirmation, like words of affirmation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely words of affirmation. Absolutely. Um, and, but like going into this, I kind of felt uneasy about what this guy was because, uh, I'm all for like, uh, knowing if someone doesn't like me or knowing if someone does like me, I hate the in between. So this guy, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know this guy liked me at all. I thought he just loved the same music as me and he was super nice. And like, well, like I only like treated him as a friend. And so it threw me off whenever he said, I wrote a song about you. So in that moment I was conflicted with like, this is all I've ever wanted, but I'm like, this is the wrong person. I don't know him. I wanted the first song that was written about me to be from like a lover of a long time or like a guy, best friend who's confessing his feelings for me. something stupid like that. Um, and so whenever he said this, like I got that emotion of like, like this is what I've been dreaming of. And then also like, ew, why is it you? Um, at the same time he was attractive, but it wasn't like, I didn't know that he had this feeling. I didn't have time to develop my own. And he was like, 
okay, but for you to listen to it, you have to give me a kiss. And that's no. terrible. No. That's terrible no. to say to someone. No. And I was like, I was kind of like, really? No. And then he was like, yeah, like, no. like I have to at least get a kiss. And so I was like, no. But I'm so curious. And so I'm like, I, again, I was in my host stage, but it still felt so wrong. It was weird. I was like, sure. And I gave him a little peck. I, it's. There's so many feelings I feel about it yeah. because I have been in the same boat. Yeah, coercion I, is literally the worst. It's don't ugh. do it. I mean, it's not cute. When we eventually <laughs> have not, a heavy episode where we talk about some heavy shit, I yeah. can talk about some real bad coercion that I dealt with. And it's very triggering, but like yeah. that's where I end up becoming mama bear for you, and I'm like, no, nope, no, nope, no, no, no. no. Coercion, yep. bad. No, manipulation, so, bad. Bad, absolutely. Bad. Um, and so uh, then he played the song for me. It, it was a cute song, I guess, but I was still very confused. Good. I mean, that's the thing is the fact that you were, you took this song for what it was worth, but then also you were still aware of the uncomfortableness of the situation. Yeah. Um, important but he took it even like a step further so it's like well, I was sitting next to him as listening, while listening to the song and then he like put the guitar to the side and just started kissing me and then it, like it kept going from there to a point where I was uncomfortable and I said no but they kept throwing but I wrote a song for you did you not like it like oh, like what is basically like why are you not down and, like, I didn't have an answer because, again, I was so confused at the time that I just went with it. And I felt so gross and, like, dirty afterwards. And I just, like, totally dropped this guy. I ghosted him. And it was so sad that that was ultimately my uh, musician yeah. wrote a song for me but experience. I mean, the the guilt trip stuff is, is so important and so... God, it's something that I advocate so much for when it comes to comfortableness and when it comes yeah. to your own sexuality. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if we want to get heavy right now, I could talk about something that correlates directly to that, mm-hmm. if you would like to delve. Sure. Okay. So, um, I wouldn't call it my virginity, but something that definitely triggered myself into where I'm at mm-hmm. in my own sexuality was something that was not chosen to be by me. Gotcha. So I wouldn't call this my actual like virginity taken situation, but it was something that were I was set into a situation where I was barely 16 or 17 years old and my first sexual encounter was a situation that was not I was not okay with. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where I was like not down for it but it still continued and because it was an act of service type thing where Mm -hmm. it was like more of an oral thing for him to me Mm -hmm. it was deemed as to being like well I'm doing this for you nothing is given to me in return therefore you should feel grateful but I was so uncomfortable so not okay with it aggressively crying Mm -hmm. throughout the whole time and he ignored it to unless until I started actually sobbing, he did not realize it was okay, wow. and then stopped and was just like, "Are you okay?" And I'm just like, I, "I'm literally have not been okay this whole time." Thanks for asking. Thank you for asking, though. Yeah. 
And like later in my 20s, he actually reached out and apologized to me and was like, yeah, I did some self-reflecting with my therapist and realized that was assault. And I'm like, yeah, it was fucking assault. Well, that's really, at least that's good that he did eventually come to, I am all for people uh, realizing their actions were wrong and holding themselves accountable. Still very young. We were, I was what, 16 or 17. He was 18 or 19 years old. We were both incredibly young. But that's that whole conversation where you're just kind of like, just because you're doing something that's not beneficial for you does not mean it's okay for someone else. Mm-hmm. So literally, my, one of my sexual virginities was aggressive and painful and not okay. Yeah. And I remember like sobbing and crying and him being like, why are you crying? I'm doing this for you. And I'm like, well, because I don't want this. This is not okay. I'm not comfortable. And me saying no is not stopping you. Mm-hmm. I was like physically remember being like, no, 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 please stop. No. And like you, you're frustrated because your words mean nothing at this point. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps going and then you're like finally start to openly crying and they're like oh my god why are you crying and i'm like because one it's not fun and also you're hurting me and then also like this is i'm uncomfortable and scared yeah i am a i'm a baby and you're hurting me well i'm just saying communication is is important you need to be aware of the red flags and I think for, since I was single, and I still have been single for so long, seven years, mm-hmm. um, you tend to kind of ignore red flags until it's too late. Yeah. And I don't, I don't feel myself to be kind of an avid drinker. Yeah. I do enjoy an alcoholic beverage, but I don't consider myself to be like, this is what I do on the reg. Yeah. But um, I found myself developing those kinds of habits with the wrong kinds of people and mm-hmm. I was like I probably should not talk to them more often or hang out with them because I make poor decisions because of it that's how um, they're aware of that too yeah so it was kind of like those like weird awarenesses of situations but uh yeah I mean oh gosh I mean the thing is is I am pretty blunt and off and and open to what I want out of a relationship uh-huh and uh, most people I've noticed in the beginning are kind of on the same page. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of change their mind mm-hmm. when things get hard or difficult or they're propositioned with someone younger or newer or more exciting. Um, it's just, there's, there's a lack of commitment. I am very much like whatever will be, will be. Mm-hmm. And I would like to experience life and friendship and whatever with a partner. I have so much love to give and nobody's willing to give it in return. So then I feel incredibly insecure where I'm like, well, I have all this to give, but nobody's giving to get willing to give it back. So I become incredibly insecure and I'm like, well, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not That's skinny not true, enough. That's by the way. So I know we're on a podcast, but I tell you guys, she looks beautiful. She's yeah. shining from customer. So you know what I mean, though. Yeah, it's I do, like for I, sure. I tend to find people that make me feel terrible about myself. That's unfair. And I, and I always joke that I'm like, I'm wasting my good tits and ass years. <laughs> people that don't appreciate it. But yeah. it's incredibly true. Like, 
dude. My early 20s and now my early 30s, I'm just like, dude, like the boobs are here. My ass is here. Nobody's here to appreciate it. And I'm bummed out by it. How I'm going to end this is saying that we, as women, you as men, us as people, you do not have to do charity work for others. Take care of yourself. However, you can donate to some charities. (laughs) That was that transition. Uh, This was a great talk on dating. Dating's fucking rough. I'm glad to be done with it. I hope for the rest of my life. Megan, you're doing great. You're a badass woman. I hope you know that. I hope you guys know that you're badass people. And don't let anyone tell you your worth. Um, Live life for yourself. You only got one life. And if you put it in someone else's hands, well, shit. I don't... That takes a lot of trust. And make sure it's with the right person, you know? So, anyways, we both have some charities that we'd like to talk about today. I think both kind of relate to today's subjects. All right, so my charity that I would like to bring up today is uh, called the Jed Foundation. So, basically, the Jed Foundation focuses on helping uh, mental health for American youth. Essentially, what they do is uh, help schools evaluate and strengthen their mental health, substance abuse, and suicide prevention programs and systems to safeguard individual and community health. Um, they create resources for both the, the young teens and adults to get the resources they need to navigate life's challenges. And also just they provide education tools and uh, give these communities uh, the support that they need to discuss or um, – work through the struggles that comes with mental health. I believe the Jed Foundation uh, does a really great job in that you know that your money that you donate is going towards a great cause. Uh, They are a very transparent charity, uh, so there's no sus part about it. I was looking, I really wanted to support a mental health charities today. I'm very deterred whenever I see pictures of their CEOs wearing suits that look far too nice. Um, but yeah, you can make a difference. Uh, today, one in four people uh, experience a mental illness with issues like anxiety and depression impending the academic and personal success of many. Um, so if you make a gift at donate.jedfoundation.org, it's tax deductible. You know your money's going towards a good cause. And uh, you're indirectly helping the youth of America. They're our future. Growing up is hard. Adults deal with mental health struggles every single day. Um, but I think our, our youth could use a little extra positive push. Absolutely. Yeah, Um I 100% support that. That sounds like a wonderful thing to be talking about and to be supporting. Uh, One of the things that I want to bring up actually ties into her quote-unquote sponsors. So our friend uh, at uh, Bako Baked Goods actually brought this to my attention via Instagram, and I feel like it's especially important during these times of racism. Um. The Instagram Bakers for Change is doing a fundraiser bake sale for Asian Americans advancing justice. So it's basically a fundraiser to stop kind of the the hate and prejudice that's going towards Asian Americans. Um, I feel like any kind of 
acknowledgement that this is not okay, that it is racism and, you know, any kind of fundraising towards those focus groups that are going to be stopping and educating the world of this kind of systemic racism that's going on is incredibly important. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of other, uh, you know, social media type Instagrams that are going through. That's just the one that I'm aware of right now. I'm sure there's more. Oh, super cool. But, uh, yeah, so Bakers for Change. So at Bakers for Change on Instagram. I'm sure there's a link on there as well. Is doing a fundraiser bake sale this month for different Asian American advancing justice groups. And um, I think bringing acknowledgement and helping that kind of community is incredibly important. Absolutely. Uh, we love all of you guys. Thank you for listening to the second episode of Talking in Tangents. Uh, we, we definitely went on a couple tangents today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And thank you for bearing with us. These first few episodes, I'm sure, as well as moving forward, we're mm-hmm. really trying to get the timing as well we're as... dialing them in. Really getting that content in. So if you are interested in more content or perhaps more, like, extras, let us know. Again, you can DM us at Talking in Tangents Pod on Instagram, or, or you can email us at... <laughs> Talking in tangents pod at Thank you, guys. Okay, cool. We will see you guys next time. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye.